Do me a favor, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Acts, chapter 27. Whether you're looking at it on your phone, or of course it'll be on the screen, but I want to give us the scriptures that we're actually going to build today's message on. Acts 27, so let me set it up for just a moment. The Apostle Paul has been preaching the gospel. He was once Saul. His calling was to persecute Christians, and now he, God has transformed his life. And he's Paul, and he's preaching the gospel. And he ends up getting arrested. And he's on a, a boat, on a ship, and they are transporting him to Rome. And while they're on that trip, a storm begins to come, and it starts to cause problems, and they are inevitably moving towards a shipwreck. And so we're going to pick up verse 39, chapter 27. We're going to read into a little bit of 28. It says, when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and they made it for the beach, but the, strip, but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. Mm. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or any other pieces of the ship. And in this way, everyone reached land safely. Now picking up the verse chapter 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness, and they built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and it was cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. And when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire, and he suffered no ill effects. And the people expected him to swell up or even suddenly fall dead. But after waiting for a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds, and they said he was a god. Do me a favor, get ready to put in the comments, put in the chat. If you're in your living room with somebody, turn, tell your neighbor the title of this message. Here we go. Tell them, I'm called to chaos. Say, say, I'm called to chaos. Come on now, give God praise for a second. How many of you feel called to chaos? Called to chaos. In case you're just kind of tuning in and maybe you've been with us the past couple of weeks or or maybe this is fairly new and you're, you're just kind of looking at it going, man, this is, uh, this is a little different than I remember it from last week. Um, in case you haven't been following along, we are actually in the process now of our phases moving towards regathering as a church. And phase one is for us to bring the recording of the service back into the school. And so this is what you see. We're, we're in here with our worship team and some of our production team and just a couple of people. And, 
And again, we, we, we miss our church family, but it feels so good to be in this place. And I'm, I'm finally not attached to wires and cords, and I get to kind of be a little bit more open and wide, so y'all just kind of bear with me if I seem very mobile today. Um, but, but we're in phase one, and then we're believing that as God continues to move us forward, phase two is we'll be able to open up the auditorium and allow people in to be a part of the live service. But just understand this, that in, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of everything that's happening that you would call chaotic, you are called to chaos. You know, just recently, Darla and I were at her parents' house, and we were in the pool, and we were having, you know, kind of a serious conversation, I guess you would say, and the kids were in the house, and so that's one of the reasons why we were able to have this serious conversation. And so we're just having this moment, you know, we've been married for uh, 15 years, 16 years, 130 years, 15 years, and... So we're just having one of these rare alone moments that you have when you have kids. And again, the kids are in the house with, with her parents. And in the middle of this moment, all of a sudden, there's like this scream. And it's so funny because I'm, I'm standing here looking at her. And as soon as the scream happens, I don't even, I don't hesitate. I don't ask any questions. I don't wait for her to move. I immediately start to kind of like, you know, wade myself through the pool to get to the ladder so that I can get up and go check on my kids. And, and luckily, her mom stuck her head out the door and said, hey, everything's fine. Um, but but it, after it was all over, I sat there for a moment, and I thought to myself, you know, 22-year-old Troy would not have automatically ran towards somebody screaming in the house, much less a child, right? Like, like 22-year-old Troy would have been focused on Darla and been like, I don't care what's happening in that house. It doesn't really matter to me. And, I, and the reason why I think that is is because when you become a parent, I, I think there is something in you that kind of shifts that makes you realize you're called to chaos. Like, again, if, if you're watching and you are a parent, you know what it's like. That the, as a matter of fact, you can actually interpret screams. <laughs> so you know, you know when a scream is just a kid wanting attention, and you know when a scream is actually a real problem. And so you know what it's like to, like, take off running to be able to get there for that moment because parents are called to chaos. I got the opportunity to speak to the teachers at Rock Springs Middle School just a few days ago, and... Even in that conversation, I said, as a teacher, you're called to chaos because the way you're approaching your career is if there's a young girl or a, a young boy that is having a learning deficiency or their, their environment at home is difficult, you know, they're, they're going to run to that to help that situation. They're running to chaos. And the more I thought through that, the more I arrived at this statement that I think you and I, I think God put something in us that makes us called to chaos. And whenever there's a chaotic moment, the answer or the calling on our life is not to run from it, but to run to it. Again, you, you can see this all throughout the Bible. Like you start in the Old Testament and you'll see it with Abraham and you'll see it with Moses and you'll see it with Joshua. You know, you'll see it with these men and women of God that they kind of run towards chaos. You get to the New Testament and you see it in Jesus, right? You see it in his disciples. I was just trying to think about a couple of um, examples. One of them was when Jesus is getting ready to talk to, or he is talking to, 15,000 people, theologians say, and the disciples come to him. He's preaching the gospel, right? And these, these disciples come to him and say, hey, Jesus, you know, your crowd is hungry. And what's really cool is this, you don't see Jesus be like, all right, listen, here's a plan. When they're not paying attention, Let's just sneak out the back, right? Because I don't have any food, and they're hungry, so I don't want to get mobbed. So Jesus is like, let's just sneak out the back. No, Jesus says, hey, you go feed them, right? In other words, let's go to the chaos. 
There's another moment where Jesus has brought the news from a father that his daughter had died and that the funeral was happening at his house. And Jesus doesn't say, well, hey, you know, let me get your phone number, let me get your address, and I'll send some flowers and my condolences. You know, Jesus says, hey, where is your house? And Jesus shows up at the house and begins to start the process kicking people out and starting the process of healing her. And I think we just begin to see the sign all the time through Scripture, whether it's Jesus, whether it's disciples, whether it's Old Testament prophets, you see that the calling from God is a calling to run to chaos. And the temptation right now in this season is to run away from chaos, right? But the calling on our life is to run to it. There's no better time than right now to be praying. There's no better time than right now to be fasting, to be reading the Bible. There's no better time than right now to be telling your coworker about Jesus, right? Everybody's panicking. They either think it's the end of the world or they wish it was the end of the world. And it's just an incredible opportunity for us to say, hey, not only can we share the gospel with them, but you can watch my church service right here on your phone. You don't have to get out of your Snoopy PJs, right? You can have your pancakes and you can watch church and they can experience the presence of God. There has never been a better time than right now to run towards chaos. We can't freak out. We should pray. We should fast. We should share the gospel. We should invite people to watch. We should share. Right now, hit subscribe. Hit share. Tell somebody about Jesus. There's no better time than right now. Am I right? Say it. Say, I'm called to chaos. Not only do I think that we are called to chaos, but I think it's the chaos that confirms our calling. So, so let me break this down. We're, to, to really understand this, we're going to have to go back to Acts. We're in Acts 28. And, and again, let's, let's kind of set up the situation. So Paul is on this ship. Paul's been arrested for sharing the gospel. And he begins to uh, make his way to Rome. And then in comes this storm, right? And the storm happens. It, it tears up the ship. And then he is able to swim his way back up to uh, the land. And he, he arrives at a land called Malta. So let's, let's look at this. Uh, go ahead and hit me that next slide. There we go. It's, it says 27, but it's actually uh, Acts 28. So verses 3 through 6, watch this. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. And the people waited for him to swell up or even suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided that he was a god. So again, let me, let me, give, you the, let me give you the scene, okay? So again, Paul's on the ship. He's been arrested for preaching the gospel. And Paul's reputation had a way of going before him. But before Paul would ever get to a location, his reputation would show up first. So people knew that he was supposed to be a man of God, and he was supposed to be a preacher of, of the gospel, and all these kinds. This is Paul. Paul's on a ship. He's in chains. A storm comes. The ship is torn apart. Uh, he comes walking out of the water with seaweed hanging from him, right, and his chains are hanging from him, and he gets onto a land called, or a place called Malta that he's unfamiliar with, and he goes up to get some, some wood to put on the fire. And as he's putting the wood on the fire, a snake, and the Bible says not only didn't just strike him, didn't just, ah, it, it fastened, all right? So, so here's Paul. You got to imagine Paul's looking like, you got to be kidding me, right? And he's like swinging the snake around. And the, the people of the island look at him and they go, 
oh, he's a murderer. They said he was a man of God, but he's a murderer because surely that much pain and that much trouble wouldn't come to someone who's called by God. So, 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 so they start trying to, to develop who they think he is. He's a murderer, there's no doubt. But then it says that Paul shakes off the snake and he has no ill effects. And then the people say, oh, surely, surely he is a God. Do you notice it's the chaos that changed their mind. And it was the chaos that confirmed his calling. Chaos has a way of just confirming what we're called to do. So, so, so let me give you some examples. If you are married, the, the fact is that whether or not you are a good husband or a good wife was not decided on the honeymoon. A am I right, married people, right? I think I'm right. It's not the honeymoon season that you get to really learn whether you are a great husband or a great wife. Where you learn is in the what? Difficult seasons, am I right? Did, did we find out if we were like great husband and wife in the honeymoon season? No, it's been some difficult seasons. We've had some tough seasons. Because it's often in the chaos. It's in the chaotic moments where you actually find out, I, I am a good wife. You are a good husband, you are a good spouse, but we found that out in the chaos. Those of you that are parents, you don't find out if you're a good parent when your kids are being good, right? It's so funny that all the time, when my kids seem to act different when they go over to other people's houses. And they'll bring them back and like, oh, they're angels. And I'm like, well, they're not when they're here, okay? So, so you know, I mean, the deal is you don't learn if you're a good parent in easy seasons, you learn if you're a good parent in the tough seasons. You learn it when your kid comes home from school and they've learned their first cuss word. You learn it when you start to watch that the experiences of the outside life and culture are starting to actually affect your child. And now you've got to actually learn how to parent. It's in those moments that you find out that you are a good parent. It's in those seasons. If you're a student, you don't, you don't find out if you're a good student at lunchtime. You don't find out if you're a good student at recess time. I don't know if we still do recess. I don't know what age recess stops. You find out if you're a good student in the hard times. And if you pass Algebra 1, you got to go to Algebra what? 2, right? So not only, not only are you learning if you're a good student, but you have to keep facing chaotic things to keep learning if you're a good student. If you're a good leader, it's not decided by easy decisions. Whether or not you're a good leader depends on the chaotic decisions. And here's what I want us to understand, is that if chaos is there to help confirm our calling, then it's important that you and I don't allow anybody else to label a situation on whether or not it is misery or mission, right? We have to be careful who we allow label the situations that we're facing. We have to be careful. We can't just go to somebody and say, hey, here's what I'm facing. What do you think this is? Because there are people who will say that that's a problem when in reality, it's a purpose, right? People will call it chaos, but it's actually there to confirm your calling. Let me ask you a question. How many of you remember Mad Libs? Anybody play Mad Libs? Y'all remember Mad Libs? Anybody on the chat, you remember Mad Libs? G give me one of those like little praise hand things if you remember Mad Libs playing Mad Libs. So I have an example of it. Um, so, so, so check this out. You, you've got, what, what would normally happen is you've got these lines 
and then you are looking to certain people to be able to fill in the lines, right? Y'all remember playing this? So, so, so here's your story, and I might go like, okay, hey, give me a verb, and then and somebody would give me a verb, and I'd say, okay, hey, give, give me an adjective, and then somebody would give me an adjective, and I'd, I'd write it, and, and where I'm writing it, I'm not even paying attention to where it goes in the story. I haven't pre-read the story so that I can decide the situation. I'm just asking random people for their perspective, right? So then you get people's perspectives and you fill it in and then as you read the story, it comes out hilarious and even chaotic. Listen to me, when it comes to 2020, listen, who are you allowing to fill in the blanks? Who are you looking to for direction and leadership and assignment? Who are you allowing to label what you are going through currently in 2020? It's our responsibility. It's our call. We get to label it. You label it. You, la you get to label whether it's opposition or opportunity. And in this season, that is what we have to remember. That what we thought was chaotic is actually on purpose to confirm our calling. And you have to be careful who you're listening to. Because if you just talk to random people, they will sit there and not only label you, but not, not only label your situation, but they will label your character in the situation. Do you see, do you see how it said the people of the island changed their mind, right? Murderer! Oh, 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 he is a man of God. We have to be careful who we allow to label what's happening right now in this season of our life. And so maybe you say, you know what, Pastor Troy, I, I, I really want to sit down with the year 2020, and I really want to label it as growth, and I want to label it as on purpose, and I want, to, I want to really assign a mission to it, not misery. But if I was honest with you, it just seems like stuff keeps happening, right? Like, I, it, I mean, let's just be honest. If it was just the pandemic, then maybe we can sit back and go, okay, but, but then there's this, right? And then we're facing racial injustice. And now all these things keep coming. And if we were just honest, we'd be like, I, I can't even get my foot on the ground. It's like it won't stop. Again, and this is almost comical if you think about it like this. But just put yourself in Paul's place, all right? Paul's on the ship. He's in chains. And he's just been sharing the gospel. And this is a little extra word for you. Some of you are thinking that, that maybe we had to do something to be in this position. But the truth is, Paul didn't do anything. He was just sharing the gospel. And he's in prison because he's sharing the gospel. So he's on this ship. He's sharing gospel. He's in chains. He's on the ship. A storm comes. And because these guys' decision is to not uh, go off the path they're on, the storm hits the ship. The ship goes into a shipwreck. Uh, it says that people are hanging on to pieces of the ship and debris, and they get ready to the shore. And now, like I said, Paul's coming up. Now, y'all picture this with me. Close your eyes and picture this. Paul has got chains hanging off of him. He's got seaweed in his hair. He's walking out of the body of water, and the Bible says that it's cold and raining, right? There was, there was this one time, I can't remember if I've shared this story with our church. One time, Darla and I were in, a, in a, a, an accident, a car accident, on the night of, was it 4th of July? 4th of July. Uh, we had a drunk driver hit us from the back, and we lost control, and, and we hit the wall. And my hand went through the windshield, and, and there was a few little injuries, but I had like a contusion on my foot. And so the, when the ambulance got there, they set me in, we were in the, on the interstate, and they set me up against the wall that separates the interstate that goes this way from the interstate that goes that way. And they set me up against it, and they propped my foot up on a, on a firefighter's helmet, and I'm, my hand's all bandaged. And it's like 
two in the morning or something, and I'm laying in the, like, on the side of the interstate, and I'm all bandaged up, and I'm not lying to you. Like, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, this is terrible, and all of a sudden, it starts to rain. And I'm like, of all things, right? Like, come on, God. I mean, you see me laying here. Like, make it rain 10 miles east, but why you gotta let it rain on me, right? So here's Paul. Paul comes out of the water. He's on an island that he's never been to, he's not familiar with, and now it's cold and it's raining, right? So Paul's just like, you know, he's like Eeyore. He's just kind of like, and he walks over to the fire that these people have been nice enough to build. And the Bible says that he just, he's like, hey, I'm gonna throw another wood, another log on the fire. And so he reaches and he gets it and he puts it and now he gets snake bitten. Don't you just feel it for Paul for a moment? Like, come on! Like, just when I thought it was over, something else happens. Have you ever been there? Like, like just when I thought that it couldn't get any, what? Just when I thought I had survived the setback, here comes another setback. Murder hornets? Really? As if we don't have enough. Look, look, I was on a news app the other day, and I was reading it, and I was scanning through, and this thing popped up, and it said, 2020 is expected to be one of the worst hurricane seasons in a long time. For real? Like, is, it, is this what we're going to do? Like, we just, I mean, it's, it's like every week's going to be a new thing, right? Like, just when you think you've survived something, here comes something else. And I, I just relate to Paul. I don't think there's ever been a season in my life that I can relate to Paul better than right now. Like, really, God? Another, like, just when I thought we had, we're, we're back here, now I got to get snake bitten? And here's what I felt the Lord tell me. I don't know if this can really uh, pertain to any of you, but, but, but I really felt the Lord tell me this. He said, you're acting like a victim to 2020. Ouch. Did everything you're saying, well, 2020. Well, because 2020. God said, you're acting like when it comes to 2020, you're a victim. Here's what I'm learning. You can't be a victim in 2020 and walk in victory in 2021. Like, at some point, we have to be able to say that I'm not a victim to 2020. So, so I got a thought for you. Ready? Here, here, here's here's our, uh, our mantra, I guess you would say, moving forward for 2020. When it comes to 2020, you can be bit, just don't be bitter. You can be bit, just don't be bitter. Paul got bit. That happened. But Paul, in the spirit of Taylor Swift, shook it off, right, and kept on moving. So, so your message for 2020 is this, you can be bit. Somebody say it, put it in the chat. Say, I'm bit, but I'm not bitter. Come on, some stuff's happened to me, but I'm not mad about it. I, I, watch this, I didn't want it to happen, but while I'm here, right, I'm not gonna be bitter about it. I'm not just gonna allow it to be a year. I've heard people say, can we just throw it away? Can we just, can we go ahead and watch Hallmark movies and get the Christmas tree out and move on to 2021? That'd be nice. But God says, you, look, 2020 bits you, but don't be bitter about it. Understand that God can still use 2020. People can still be saved in the year 2020. People can still be restored in the year 2020. There's a marriage right now that's getting healthier because you've never spent so much time together. Hear me. There's a, listen, there's a dad that's never had dinner with their kids more than they have right now. Don't tell me God's not using 2020. Be bit. You're bit. Stop being bitter. God's doing something in 2020. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. 
I can't pastor Victory Church and be a victim. It's just a year, but God's still moving. Even when I don't see it, you're working. We say it, but do we really live it? You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it, let's just be honest, man. This stinks. This stinks. I got bit, but I won't be bitter. I won't be bitter. And I think the moment that we can get into that attitude and into that spirit, and the moment that we can accept that it's chaos that confirms our calling, then I think you can get to a place where you can accept what God allows. And I think that is sometimes where it becomes really difficult, is accepting the fact that God allowed it. I mean, if God loves Paul, number one, why do you allow him to get arrested? And if he loves him, why do you let the shipwreck? And then if he loves him, why Malta? And if he loves him, why snake bite? It's not until you can fully grasp that chaos confirms who you are in God that you can get to a place where you can accept what it is God allows. Let me see, can I see that stool for a second? I have to, I have to read this part from the stool because I have to be able to illustrate to you what I picture as Paul's attitude. So, so in Acts 28, verse 7, it says, Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius. This is the guy who created Publix. Not true, but Publius. And the chief official of the island, he welcomed us and he treated us kindly for three days. So, so, so again, watch this. Paul is shipwrecked on an island called Malta, okay? He doesn't know the island. He's never been to the island. The island wasn't on his schedule, right? He, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't on his itinerary. He didn't plan on coming to Malta. But now he's here, and now he's here for three days. I just wonder if there was this moment where Paul starts complaining to God. Like, can't you just get me out of here? Why, why am I here? What is Malta? There's no mission in Malta. Why, why am I here? I was going to Rome. I know you let me get arrested because you wanted me to preach your gospel to Rome. I was headed to Rome. Why did we take a detour to Malta? I, there's nothing happening on Malta. Why am I in Malta? Can you see it? Can't you just see Paul like on the third day? He's just like, you know, because we, we can all do anything for about 12 to 24 hours. We can diet for 24 hours, right? We can work out one day, but on the third day, you're like, ah, this is a little bit too much for me, right? So I just see Paul, like, on the third day going, all right, God, they were nice, but why am I on Malta? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start referring to 2020 as Malta. The year 2020 is your Malta. Why? Am I on Malta? Why? Why did this happen? God, why did you let it happen? Why am I still here? You could have snapped your finger and got me off the first day. You got, watch this, watch this. You got a mission 
for me and Rome. God, you want, you want people to get saved. You want a church to be built. You want my kids to be educated. You want my bills to be paid. You've got a mission. But why, instead of me being on mission, am I on Malta? Get me off of Malta so we can get back on mission. What if Malta is the mission? And what if we get so focused on reasoning that we miss the revelation? And what if we get so focused on getting off of Malta that we miss our moment? Is it possible that 2020 being our Malta and us wanting to just get done with it? We've all heard it, right? Man, just, we just need to get over this. Let's just let's get back to normal. All of us want to get off of Malta, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with you if you want to get. Paul wanted off of Malta. But if we get so focused on getting off of Malta and we're not careful, we will miss our moment. So watch. I'm not making this up, all right? This is illustrated in Scripture, so watch. So again, let's go back to my scenario. And I try to picture these things. This is not necessarily the way Scripture lays it out, but I'm just picturing Paul in a room, probably on some type of chair, in like the thinking man pose, you know what I mean? Remember that, like thinking man pose? And he's just like, God, get me. I don't know how Paul talks. Like, he probably had to be deep voice. Like, God, get me off of Malta. Why, why am I on Malta? I don't know why he talks like that. I wish I, had that. I wish I could do like James Earl Jones. Malta. Anyway, I don't know who your favorite voice, Morgan Freeman, whoever. Um, get me off of Malta, right? So, so Paul's sitting in the chair and he's like, I, why, why am I in Malta? Now watch this. Acts 28, 8 through 10. As it happened, when you look up that phrase, another definition for the phrase as it happened is coincidentally. We've been through this at this church. Does God do coincidences? God doesn't do coincidences. So as it happened, as Paul was setting, wanting to get out of Malta, as Paul was watching the news, wishing that the pandemic would stop, as Paul was watching as Facebook comments went crazy, wishing the world would just go back to normal, as it happened, coincidentally, Publicist's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hand on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed, and as a result, we were showered honors, and when the time came to sell, people supplied us with everything that we would need for the trip. So let's rewind. Now that you've read it in Scripture, let me set, it, let me set the scene. Paul's setting, wanting to get off why, God, why am I in Malta? And the door opens. I guess they had doors on Malta. I'm not really sure. Maybe the curtain moved. And Paul looks over, and in comes Publius with his father. And his father's sick. Paul looks over and says, who's that? Publius says, that's, that's this is my dad. And my dad's sick. And Paul, being only the way Paul can think, realizes, that's why I'm here. There was, in fact, a mission on Malta. 
As I'm praying, God, get me out of, God, get me out of this. Get me out of this relationship. Get me away from this job. Get me out of this situation. As it happened, as I'm praying for God to stop the chaos, in walks my calling. Paul's saying, get me out of here. And God says, I brought you here for a reason. You're here on purpose. And watch this. Please get this. This is, this is what I really felt the Lord tell me that you got to, what looked to Paul like a wreck was really God's will. And what looks like us right now in 2020 as a wreck, what if it's really God's will? What if Malta is our mission? And what if, what if we're so focused on getting out of Malta that we miss our moment? What if God allowed all of this because there's just one person you know that needs the gospel? What if he allowed all this because the way your life was operating up at this point was so unhealthy that it was only a matter of time until you lost everything that you had? And what you were once calling an opposition or, or misery or chaos, it was actually your opportunity and your mission and your calling. But here's what I love about God. Because we would have been fine if Publis's dad alone was the mission, right? This, this, is the, this is the kind of apostle Paul was. Paul was so passionate about everything. So just seeing Publis's dad, Paul would have said, it's worth it. I'm bit, but I'm not bitter. It was worth the snake bite. It was worth the, 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 the wrecked ship. It was worth it all because Publis's dad got healed. The Bible says it didn't stop there. And that everybody on the island got healed. If we're not careful, we will stop short of what God wants in our life. Because we think it's enough. And because it's wrapped in comfort. And what I think God really wants to do in our life, the full extension, in order for us to really be able to embrace it and face it, we got to go through some difficult times. There's got to be some moments where God preps you for his ultimate purpose. There's got to be some moments where he uses chaos to confirm that you're called by God. There's moments like this where we get to choose. Me as a Christian, as a believer with my faith, with the word I read and the praise I pray, Dude, dude, is, is 2020 going to be the year for me to just sit down and go, God, please let Malta leave, please let Malta leave, please let Malta leave. Let me get out of Malta, let me get out of Malta, let me get out of Malta, let me get out of Malta. Oh, still Tuesday. Is that going to be what it is? Or are we looking around? God, where's my mission? Where's my mission? Where's my opportunity? You want me to pray for them? Their life couldn't get any worse. Pray for them now. Right now, share the message. Tell somebody about Jesus. Get off your couch. Worship. Go pray. Go visit somebody you haven't talked to. This is your time. You're not supposed to be running from this. You're supposed to be running to it. Let's stop talking about when it's going to end and start praying and asking God why it happened. Paul's focus was never if he was going to survive. The question was, why did he survive? 
The question right now for you and for me is not, are we going to survive this? The question is, why are we surviving this? To be able to tell people about Jesus, to be able to share the gospel, to be able to see the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit operating in these hands. This is the time. It's not time to get off of Malta. It's time to look for a mission. And what if, hey, hey, what if what we thought was a wreck is really God's will? We had this couple over to our house a couple nights ago. And I've shared a little bit about this couple in our church before because they first started listening to our church on a podcast from Clarksville, Tennessee. And they were listening to a series that we were doing called Dream Again. And they fell in love with just the spirit of the church and the atmosphere. And they would watch online and they would come and visit every once in a while. And I just kept falling in love with the church. And so finally, I'll never forget it. I was talking to them one day and they said, we're actually going to, to sell our house and move from Clarksville and come to Smyrna because we want to be a part of what Victory Church is doing. Isn't that incredible? I still remember rejoicing with the church about that. Like that people, three years later, people are still selling their houses and moving to be a part of Victory Church. That's crazy to me. There's somebody watching right now. Hey, sell your house. Quit playing. Come on. We got work to do. We got a mission. But we were sitting there talking to him. It was so funny because they started the process, and it was a long process to sell their house and get all that figured out and get a new job. And they, they finally moved here and got a new house two weeks before COVID-19 shut everything down. So, so, so try to put yourself in their place. They're in this thought pattern of like, we're coming to change the world. And then as soon as they get here, the world shuts down. And, and now, and, and, and the wife said it, she said, she said, I was so confused. She said, I wasn't questioning, you know, that, that, that I was supposed to be there, supposed to be a part of victory, but we were just questioning what, what was going on. Like, like what's, what's up with this season? Why would God let us move here only to shut church down? Sometimes you think you're on Malta, but you just haven't looked around long enough to find your mission. As we sit there at that, dinner table with them we started asking them to be involved in some leadership areas and she just got so excited she said that's why God moved us here for that and hey I, can, can I tell you what I, where I think the Bible messes us up sometimes is that we don't always get timelines because when it says that Paul is in here and then in walks Publicist's father. Sometimes we think it's like that. And we are misinformed that sometimes while we're on Malta, our mission comes like that. Your life has changed dramatically in a positive way. All thanks to Malta. The very season that we want to curse is the season God's going to use to bless. But we got to be looking for mission. And we can't be so focused to hurry up and get out and get out of all without being on our face asking God what's the mission. 
Can I show you one more thing before we're done? Jamal, come here. I'm going to use you because I love to use you. Anybody who's watching online, you love to watch Jamal be used in illustrations. But this is going to be... Sit right here, sit right here. Okay. So, you, you probably didn't catch this because, again, we're reading through it pretty fast. But So, so we're going to act like he's Publius. Publius' Publius' dad. You're Publius' dad, okay? So you, you are from the island of Malta. Make sense? Okay. You're sick, fever. And the Bible says that Paul laid his hand on him for healing. That's what the Bible says. Now, whether you're Pentecostal, Baptist, whatever it might be, that depends on where you might lay your hands. Because you, know, you might be like, maybe he laid his hands here. You know, maybe he laid his hands here. You know, maybe, maybe it was here. Maybe it was one of those like, hallelujah! You know, type thing. But, but all we know is that Paul laid his hands on him and he was healed, right? No, nobody's denying it. This isn't true. That Paul laid his hands on him and he was healed. Watch this. It's the same hand that was snake bit. Mm. The same hand that was in the struggle is what God used to do the miracle. Come on, you got to catch this. The same thing you're going through right now that you don't understand, God wants to use to do a miracle in your life and in someone else's life. It's the same hand. The same hand that the people on the island cursed, they were going to praise. The same God that some people are cursing right now, their knee will bow and they will praise. The same season that you are cursing, you will look back one day and say, God used it. God saved my marriage. God healed my family. God gave me rest. God gave me a calling and a purpose. God made new wineskins. In that season for new wine. It's the same hand that was snake bit that the power of God came through. You. Can we pray together. Father, we are so humbled right now to be in your presence. And I just want to talk for a moment straight to every person. They're so tired of Malta. They want restaurants to be at full capacity. They want division to stop. They want pain. They want fear and uncertainty. At this point, they're just sick of Malta. And every conversation is when and how are we going to get off of Malta? I pray right now that you would reveal right to their heart that you've never stopped working, that you are still the way maker, and that you are still the promise keeper, and that there is a mission waiting for us in Malta. So God, for every person that's watching, I pray you begin to speak to their heart. Speak to the calling that's on their life. You are called to chaos. You were never called to be comfortable or cute. You were called to run to places that need the presence of God. You were placed on Malta for a purpose because there are people that need the presence of the healing power of God. 
And in a time where the devil tried to discourage us and even cancel us, mm. you tell him right now. Yeah. You can cancel Camino Real. You can even cancel <laughs> the church, but you cannot cancel my calling. As long as I've got a voice, and as long as I've got arms and legs and the ability to share the Bible, you cannot stop my calling, which is to tell those around me about Jesus. I've got a mission on Malta. I'm not trying to get off. I got a mission. I'm called. Open up my mind. Open up my heart. Prepare me. Let me find moments right now. Because if I focus on getting off of Malta, I'm going to miss my moment. God has called you to change lives, to impact people, to pray and to share the gospel. Don't you run from this. Don't you run from this. I know you're bit. I'm bit too. We're both bit. I show you my bite, you show me yours. But I can be bit and not be bitter. And I can take the very place that the enemy's bitten and I can use it to do glory power of God. That's the calling on your life. You will not retreat. You will find revelation. And you will understand that you, my friend, are called to chaos. Hallelujah.